Amen. Does anyone else feel personally attacked, or was that just me uh, at Pursuit? But man, what a powerful message uh, from Pastor John Tyson. I think it's a word that we at Pursuit needed to hear, I needed to hear, and I believe it's a word for us in this moment uh, to, to really wrestle with, do we want revival or the benefits? Do we want revival or do we actually want our name to go next to that revival? So I just want to take a brief moment uh, in silence before the Lord to allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts right now. Are we chasing the American dream above God's dream for our life? What is it that we really want? Come, Holy Spirit, search us, Lord. Holy Spirit, put your finger on the very thing that you want to speak, speak to us about, the very thing you want to deal with. If you're getting it, feel free to write it down, put a note in your phone, whatever it is. Lord, may we be more concerned about obedience than trying to do great things for you. Thank you, God. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Just so you know, that wasn't the last message for the conference. This is about to be the last message. Uh, we've been doing this uh, almost 12 hours now. We're nearing the finish line, and uh, we are so grateful to every single person who has been a part of our first ever online conference. So give yourself a hand. While you're, you're giving yourself a hand, go to the camera icon in your Zoom and make sure it's clicked on for this very moment. I can see you on the monitor right here. I want to see your faces. Be active in the chat. But as we end, let's end strong. Let's, let's engage, show your beautiful faces. I want to see you laugh because I'm about to be mad funny, right? I want to see some tears because I'm about to move your hearts, okay? I mean, I think I'm promising more than I might actually deliver, but I want to see everyone's face uh, tonight. And uh, let's just end this strong. But before we go any further, I want to give some shout-outs real quick, a uh, couple announcements even quicker and then we're going to head to the word. But I want to thank uh, our amazing lineup that we had this year. How many of you guys were blessed? If you were blessed, right? Hashtag blessed in the chat right now. I want to give a shout out to uh, my sister, Pastor Faith Yuri Cho. Shout out to Awakening, who led worship all the way from Texas. Uh, Corey Russell, who stirred our hearts to pray. Uh, Pastor John Tyson, who just gave that uh, attacking word, but a word I needed just now. Uh, I want to thank Ezra and Janet J and Janet uh, for leading worship for us, being so faithful as friends. Uh, we want to give a shout out to Jim Wallace, who gave us his time and wisdom and experience. Uh, shout out to uh, Kelvin Walker, who 
told us to make our faith both vertical and horizontal. We want to thank Lydia for just bringing the presence. We want to th thank Pastor Banning in Jesus Culture. Thanks for changing Josh's life, right? Jesus Culture Student of the Year. Shout out to my brother Ali, uh, who came. Uh, Pastor Dave Park of Mosaic uh, for calling our region to unity. Uh, and I want to thank our pursuit leadership team. They did an amazing job. I want to thank all the volunteers in the chat. I want to thank all the volunteers that are here. I want to thank Pastor Sam and, and Pathway. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> Pathway, Phil, Keon, the volunteers, Priscilla, uh, Francis Johnson. Um, Francis Johnson is, is, sounds like a full name, but it's Francis Ann Johnson. I want to thank the media team, Debbie, Dana, Paul. And I want to thank every single person that has tuned in and has been a part of this conference once again. Uh, our heart was to simply create something to bless the region. But while we were doing that, God did an amazing thing by opening up uh, all across the nation and, and even internationally. So shout out to Belgium, Guatemala, Brazil, Indonesia, um, the Caribbean, um, the seven continents, right? Like we just have people from all over uh, the world, all over the country, and we're so grateful. And uh, with that being said, a quick couple announcements that I want to give is that once this conference is over as a team, we wanted to create, um, I guess, teaching and material that would be able to serve you and encourage you. And one of the things that we've done throughout uh, the last couple of years are prophecy rooms and healing rooms, uh, treasure hunting, doing all of that. So we're doing a special four-week e-course called Supernatural 101 because it is a supernatural faith we have. Uh, it's a four-week e-course, but because you're at this conference, you could go to our website. The, our mods will help you set the link up. But if you use the promo code REDUX, R-E-D-U-X, you will save 60% and it'll be 20 bucks for a four-week e-course. Uh, I encourage you to sign up. That promo code's only for 24 hours. And we're just doing that to equip and activate people. It's a learning community. Um, another announcement we have is the Discord. I don't know if people use it, but I'm a, I'm, I'm a firm believer. We're going to go for it. Uh, but I want to encourage you to join the Discord so that you can stay connected. Uh, let's keep praying for one another long after this event is over. Um, I want to also, you know, we paid to make this, so we might as well use it, right? Um, and you could donate by helping cancel the debt that it took to make this, all right? But uh, we made this conference free because we wanted to serve um, but it wasn't free to put on. But if you feel led to give or sow in any way, you could donate to our Venmo. Last year, Venmo was to my personal, but we upgraded. We got our own Venmo account now. Glory to God. We're going from glory to glory. Uh, but if you would feel led to give in any way, you're more than welcome to um, at Pursuit NYC or give through our website. Um, and last but not least, one last announcement, at least for this moment, unless I forget, I want you right now to open up your phone, go to your calendar, scroll as long as it takes to get to August 2021, because PursuitCon 21 is coming the third week of August. Can we get the graphic up for that? Right? Someone right now, right in the chat, I'm, I'm going to be there. I mean, hopefully, like the pandemic will end, so we'll all be there, right? 
But you, you're hearing it first right now. We're doing our conference next year, August 2021. And our theme is going to be pioneers, uh, preparing the way and into the future, because we believe those who are going to lead the way aren't those who have a platform, but those who seek God in secret. That prayer is the way that we pioneer. Prayer is the way we actually press forward. And uh, we want to invite all of you to come to our conference next year. Hopefully we'll do it in person. Worst case scenario, it will be online. But since this online conference was so fire, it will be okay. Right? But hopefully we're, we're aiming to meet in person. So, so mark your calendars for that. You're, you're seeing it first right now. Pursuit Conference 2021 theme is pioneer unless we have to do can't stop won't stop 3.0 <laughs> right redux of a redux but that's our goal and vision for next year so mark that in your calendar and without further ado um, it is my privilege to wrap up this whole one day conference uh, i mean we've been planning this for months and months but yet i feel like the whole day flew by and uh, I've been so encouraged. I've been so strengthened, convicted. Um, and it's been so amazing to do this with all of you out there. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61. And I'm going to read from verse 1 to 4. Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 4. And um, while you're turning there or open up a web browser or your phone, our first ever event that we did at Pursuit NYC was actually in this very building almost seven years ago, December 2013, um, and it was our preview service. We didn't know what Pursuit was or what it was going to be. Um, so seven, almost seven years ago, we did it in this very exact building we're doing this online conference from. And I'll be honest, when we did that service, I would have never guessed that in seven years, we would have to do an online conference uh, because of a pandemic and all the crazy circumstances. But I really believe God has brought us back to this moment to remind us of his faithfulness, that he leads us in that process. He leads us in that journey. So a lot of the faces that are helping here were there, you know, Josh and Kevin, Jay was there, Janet was there, obviously Pastor Sam was there. Danny was out in the world, but God saved him, glory to God, right? And now he's here in 2020. But for me, it's, it's such a prophetic moment for God to take us back to the place we started. Because I think God wants to take us back collectively to things that we have forgotten along the way. So Isaiah 61, verse 1, it's an amazing passage. Jesus reads this when he uh, starts his earthly ministry. But I want to read verse 1 through 3 to lead to verse 4. This is what it says. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They would be called oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord for the display of his splendor. 
So we see the anointing and the spirit of God working. You know, it, it leads to breakthrough, freedom, all these things. And, and I really want to hone in on this verse, verse 4. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Let's pray. Turn on your cameras and we'll get going. Father, I just want to thank you so much for all that you've done just in one day. Lord, I believe you have something for us in this very moment. So Holy Spirit, open up our ears, our hearts, our spirits. Speak to us the very thing we need for what's ahead of us, God. We thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. One of my favorite words in the English language is the word new. I love the word new. I love what it represents. It makes me feel clean. It makes me feel good inside. It makes me excited. I love the word new. Because the only thing better than an iPhone is a new iPhone. Come on, somebody. Right? The only thing better than an iPhone is a new iPhone. Only thing better than a droid is anything else, right? No offense to anyone out there, right? Sorry. Right? But I love the word new. I mean, the Bible tells us in Isaiah, you know, a couple chapters before the passage we read, where God even tells his people, forget the former things, because I'm about to do a new thing. God doesn't do the next thing. He does a new thing. But here's the thing about God doing that new thing that God is known as the ancient of all days. Jesus is known as the one that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God exists outside of time. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. In fact, he doesn't even have that. He does a new thing, but I believe the new thing he does is always tied to principles that are unchanging because he is the immutable one. He doesn't change at all. So the new thing he does isn't through new strategies. It isn't through new ideas. It isn't through anything new, but rediscovering for ourselves principles that have guided the people of God up until this point. God wants to remind our generation of things that we need to remember for what's about to come. Because think about it. No one has ever led in a moment like this before. I mean, you can't even talk to, you know, older leaders because no one knows what it's like to lead and do ministry or do anything in a pandemic like this because it's never happened before. Yes, we need to pivot. We need to be flexible. I mean, that's why we're even doing an online conference. I mean, I believe in innovation. I believe in new ideas. I mean, I'm all for it. But I believe more than innovators, what we need are excavators. People who are willing to go back and dig up things that have been buried for too long. We don't need pioneers. I mean, that's our theme next year, right? Maybe we should change the theme right now. Maybe I'm getting an epiphany. More than pioneers, though, I believe we need archaeologists who are willing to find old things and with that lead us forward. We need people who are not going to try to reinvent prayer, but actually go pray the way they did in the early church. That's what we need in this moment. When new ideas don't work, we have to go to the things that are tried and true. And we see it in scripture. We see it in, in, in church history. We see it in how people do it. 
So can I even say this, right? I'm about to redeem next year's theme for pioneers. Let's go. The pioneers are going to be those, not with new ideas, but those who've rediscovered timeless truths for our generation. And where do you find those things? In the place of prayer with the one who exists outside of time. God doesn't change, and he's wanting us to come back and to find the very thing that has been lost. There's a story that I heard of a pastor who's so excited about renovating his sanctuary that he was talking to the construction workers and saying, hey, what can I do to help? I'm useless with tools. I've never built anything before, but I want to help because I want the sanctuary right away. So the construction worker said, well, the simplest thing for you to do is to simply take those two by fours and cut them to about six foot long each, and that will kind of help speed up the process for us. So the pastor says, you know what? I could at least do that. So he got his tape measure faithfully. He measured out the first board to exactly six foot. He cut it directly, and it was six foot long. But instead of measuring the, 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 the new piece of uh, wood with the tape measure, what he did was he took the wood that he cut before and used that as the measure. And he did that over and over and over again. But what he didn't know is that it was about one-eighth of an inch different when you use the board as your, as your measure. But after a hundred of those boards, he realized that his hundredth board was about two feet shorter than the original. I believe that's what happens when we compare ourselves to simply our contemporaries or the things that are, are around us rather than going back to his word that hasn't changed up until this point. Can somebody type amen in the Zoom, right? Instead of looking to the latest, trendiest fads in, in church history or whatever, we need to go back to the word that hasn't changed. That's what we're needing, people who are going to go back to the word. And, and, and that's just been something so burning deeply on my heart. Because let's be real, right? I'm speaking to myself, you know, when I say this, so don't take it personally, I, you know, as a team, as a leadership team, one of the things that we've been so uh, um, stirred by are, you know, what God has been doing in Korea, like our heritage. We're Koreans. Uh, maybe you thought I was based on my good looks. Well, you were right, right? But, you know, we've been so stirred by, by the heritage of our, of our, you know, our fathers, our mothers, that we've been studying about Christianity in Korean history. And, and we've been reading this book. It's like mad old. You know, Josh recently ordered it on Amazon. And he said that when he opened it, the book was so old because they don't make new books of this book. He said that when he opened it, a stench hit him. And he's like, oh, shoot, what is that? Right? That's how old this book is. But we're reading this book, and I came across this story. Because, you know, this is, uh, maybe you're not Korean, but I just want to share this story to give some context where the Bible in the Korean language, which is my mother tongue, has only existed for 100 years, right? The Old Testament, New Testament was completed in 1910. So in my mother tongue, it's only been around for 100 years. So I came across this testimony where this Korean guy, uh, because he was kind of wealthy, he was educated, he was in Japan studying science. And through that experience, he had an opportunity to go to Europe. And so he took that. And while he was in Europe studying, visiting, all of that, he came across a Bible exhibit in Vienna in 1880. And up until this point, this man has never heard of the Bible before. So when he went to this exhibit, he, he was 
you know, introduced to this book called the Bible, but what struck him was the fact that this book had been translated to over 2,000 languages. So when this man who's never heard of the Bible before discovers that this book is an ancient book and it's been translated into so many languages, he's wondering, why have I never heard of this before? There must be something about this book that people keep wanting to read it that it's outlasted kingdoms and emperors and empires. So as soon as he goes back to his country, uh, Japan, to, to his studies, he was able to get the Bible in Chinese. And as he started reading it, his life was rocked. By simply reading the Bible, he became a Christian. Because he said, I read things that I've never heard about before. That same man's testimony says this, that years later when he was old in age, that the Beatitudes were plastered all over his wall because he was so in awe, so uh, uh, just blown away by the wisdom and heart and love of this man named Jesus Christ that he had to have it on his wall. I mean, forget being aesthetic. It was the Beatitudes on his wall. I say that because when I read that, I was struck to the core because you know how many Bibles I own? More than I read, okay? Like if you grew up in church, you got a Bible when you graduated eighth grade. You got a Bible when you got baptized. You got a Bible when your pastor was trying to reach out to you. You got a Bible when, you know, you got married, whatever. You have a Bible on your app, your iPad, your, your you know, everything. But yet this man actually dove into this book that we all have access to. And his life was never the same. I'm saying this not to um, come at anyone, but I say that for myself. Because they took things for, uh, with gratitude that we take for granted. And I believe that God wants to take us to that place where the things that moved people's heart then has to move us now. Because Jesus isn't a new idea. He's Messiah forever. He's Lord forever. And each generation must encounter him for ourselves. Because here's the thing, I'm wary of a generation that has never paid the price to know God more. I need to see a generation that will pay the price to know God because you know what? We have access to more Christian songs through Spotify than ever before. We have more access to fiery preachers than ever before. Yes, you can listen to Pursuit on YouTube, SoundCloud, all of that, okay? I'm not saying don't listen to us, but I'm just saying we are spoiled. What we need is to find God for ourselves where we are able to know him, not because a pastor told us, not because we saw it on an Instagram post, but because we paid the price in prayer when no one else was looking and God spoke to me and my life was changed forever. That a Bible verse spoke to me, not because it was the verse of the day, but because I actually opened it for myself and I read it and it struck my heart. That's what we're needing in this moment. We can't have tag-along Christians. We can't have Christians that have secondhand testimonies. We need young people, young adults. I don't care how old you are. We need a generation that will know God for ourselves. We can't live off of any other person's faith. We need a faith of our own. And that's what I'm calling a generation to right now because we need to go back we need to dig up. We need to redig those wells. We need to know God for ourselves because here is the human condition. In the Old Testament, we see God showing up. And honestly, it's kind of tedious. It is a lot of rules. It is religion at the end of the day. But he makes it very clear on what it looks like to be his people. 
right? So he rescues the Israelites out of Egypt. They see the Red Sea part. They get fed by manna. They do all these different things. They see it with a whoa. And God says, I, I know you were whoa just now, but this is what it looks like to be my people. And this is what it will look like if I'm your God. Just do these things. And not only that, God is on the mountain and says, come up and meet with me here. Come up here and, and encounter me. Be with me. Speak to me. But this is what the people did. Like, nah, we good, actually. I, I kind of have a fear of heights. I don't want to climb a mountain. Moses, how about you go? And, and we'll just wait and you just tell us what to do. I mean, isn't that like following a pastor on IG who gets the revelations and you claim it as your own? So the people are like, yeah, you go, we're good here. So Moses, he's climbing, he's meeting with the Lord, he's getting the Ten Commandments. And this is literally what they do, man. It's, it's, it's been 40 days. So they're like, man, is this Moses guy ever coming? It's like, no, nah, I don't, no one's seen him. Maybe he's gone, maybe he's not coming back. And they're like, you know what we should do? You know all the, the treasures that God blessed us with when we left Egypt? Let's make that into a golden calf. But check this out. They didn't just make a golden calf. They said that that was God. I mean, that's the human condition. And I believe in the same way God is calling a generation for us to know him for ourselves. But the thing is, there's a price. There is a price to seek God and to know him. And that's the things that's been stirring my heart so much in this season because you know, I, I've, I've had conversations with Danny, with Josh, with Kevin, our team, other friends, other leaders, where there's something in my heart crying out to the previous generation who knew something that we have lost today. Right? I mean, right now we're able to enjoy this uh, a live online conference because of this amazing building. Right? Pathway ministry. I love that ministry. I love them so much that I came and preached during a pandemic for them. Last minute, right? I love you, Sam, right? But here's the thing. Our generation gets to enjoy the benefits of this building. And I'm just using this as an example. But none of us here ever paid the mortgage for it. Like someone else got here and claimed the property for it. I got saved when I was 17 in this huge church and I reaped all the benefits, but when they labored for that building, when they sought God and they saw revival that took a church from a warehouse to this huge building, I wasn't a part of it, but I reaped all the benefits. And that lets me know that there is an inheritance, but if we lose the heritage, we lose both. Because the purpose of an inheritance isn't for me to splurge on myself, but it's to build it up for the next generation. We need a generation that will think beyond ourselves to our sons and daughters. Because here at Pursuit, we're not interested in raising up sons and daughters. We're interested in raising up fathers and mothers. Because God is the God of what? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if we're not thinking about our sons and daughters, we'll neglect our fathers and mothers because we think we know better than that. I mean, once again, I might be talking too much about being Korean because, sorry, that's all I know. But I've wondered this so often, right, for myself. Would I be able to go to a foreign country where I don't know anyone and be able to thrive? I mean, a couple years ago, I went to Japan and I thrived. I ate at all the, all the amazing ramen stores. I was able to get on subways. You know why? God bless Google, okay? God bless SIM cards. 
But imagine 30 years ago, 40 years ago, when our parents came. They didn't know anyone. They didn't know the language. They didn't have Google. They didn't have Siri. They didn't have anything, but yet they were able to work hard. But let's be honest. There are parents of, of Korean, Asian Americans, other immigrants that gave up being doctors to run a laundromat because they're thinking about the next generation. But we can't even serve the previous generation because I want to go on an Instagram-worthy vacation, like John Tyson said. I mean, I say this not to... Uh, you know, correct anyone because this is burning on my heart because unless we have that understanding that someone else paid the price that we get to enjoy today, we're going to let it slip through our hands. Instead of empowerment, we end up with entitlement and revival gets lost in the process. But only when we understand the price it takes and not only when we understand, but we're willing to pay it for ourselves, do we, are we able to see God do what he's about to do? I want to challenge once again a generation. Let's not lose the things that have made the church what it is today. Is the church imperfect? Yes, but so are you. Right? Someone write in the chat, I'm imperfect. He's talking about me. Right? If you're not doing that, we'll break off pride later, okay? Right? If I was able to type it in, I'll be the first one to type it in, all right? Relax, okay? But I'm just saying this because we need to understand once again to recover things that were lost. And I think that's why the passage I wanted to focus on uh, this evening is we have to rebuild cities that have been ruined. Things that have been left desolate for generations are meant to be rebuilt. The cornerstones of the previous generation's church, the fathers and mothers, not even just the previous generation, but generations past. I mean, those are the stories that stir my heart more than ever before. I mean, recently I read the story of George Whitfield, a revivalist from the 17, uh, 1700s, where because of his theology, because of what he believed in that time was considered radical, that he was kicked out of the church. So check this out. Because he was kicked out of the church, but yet he had this burning conviction to preach. He said, what can I do? No church would accept me. He went to the only place that would give him an audience, which was the coal mine. And it I'm not even sure they gave him an audience. He just stood there until the workers were done. So he'll be waiting in front of a mine. And as soon as these coal mine workers came out, you know, their clothes dirty, their faces dark with ash, that he would just start preaching to whoever would listen. That it started off with 200 people, then 2,000 people. At its peak, he was preaching to 30,000 people and people were getting saved. I was so stirred by this story where he's standing there waiting for the workers to be done with work. They come out with faces black with ash and he starts, as he starts preaching the gospel, that their face, their, the, the faces of the coal mine workers starts getting clean because of the tears washing away the ash as they listen to him preach. When I hear stories like that, it burns my heart because I know that's possible. But yet we've relegated to God doing those things to history as to information or, or just a part of a story rather than our heritage that God is able to do that today. Many times we confine God to this book of the Bible and made this a book of information rather than a book of invitation. Because here's the thing, God doesn't want to be studied, he wants to be known. And God doesn't want you to just study information about him. He wants to invite you to an encounter that says God is still able to do today what he's done in this book. 
That's what I'm looking for, hungering for, for this generation where we have to go back and recover the things that have been lost. I mean, just all you have to do is read through church history, look at what this Bible tells us about, that they weren't afraid to preach. They didn't care about popularity. And I feel like this is a phrase that has been said all throughout this evening is they didn't care about the platform. They just wanted to see God do what he said he would do. Recently, I, I, one of the things I've done, and it was actually one of my goals once the uh, uh, pandemic started, it wasn't anything noble. It was to finish the Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? It wasn't like noble, like I'm about to pray and fast. Now I'm about to relax and watch, okay, right? And, and I've been meaning to watch the Lord of the Rings. I finally finished it. But the first one, I watched a couple weeks ago, and there was a quote as the Lord of the Rings, the first one, the Fellowship of the Rings uh, began that struck with my heart because I felt like it was symbolic of our generation. Right? If you're a fellow geek like me, use the nerdy glass emoji in the chat right now. Right? But this is the quote that the whole trilogy begins with. And it says this, And some things that should not have been forgotten were lost. History became legend. Legend became myth, and for two and a half thousand years, the ring passed out of all knowledge. I believe oftentimes the miracles of God, the testimonies of revivals of old are often like that, that they have been forgotten, that it was history, but it became legend, which became myth, which became irrelevant today. But can I say this? Those stories, those testimonies are more relevant now than they ever were because God wants to do the same today. He wants to bring revival. It might not look the same, but I believe that the principles, the heart is the same, which is to seek God, to pay a price, to do whatever it takes for God to get the glory. I mean, that's why the Bible tells us over and over again, tell the next generation of what he has done. Set up ancient boundary stones. And Proverbs tells us, don't move them. Psalm 145 verse 4 says this, Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. Don't forget what God has done. But I believe for many of us, including myself, we've forgotten it. I'm blown away by so many of the revivals I'm reading about that I've never heard before. And it's stirring my heart for what's possible, what's needed today. That's why Isaiah 61, once again, going back to the text, that's what we're called to redeem, restore, rebuild, and renew today. We need a generation that will know God for ourselves. Going back to the whole story of Moses and the Israelites, that's why it says this, Psalm 103, verse 7, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. You could go to church and know the acts of God, but only the friends of God would know his ways. How do you know? How do you become a friend of God? Pay a price to be close. I mean, the Bible tells us wounds from a friend can be trusted. Why? Because you can trust your friend with your wounds. God wants us to draw close to him in friendship and in intimacy, whatever it takes to know him. Because here's the thing, just because you know the facts doesn't mean you know the truth. And I believe that this is the most sobering and depressing verse in all the Bible. 
And it's found in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. I want to invite uh, Jay and Janet to come and, and help me uh, wrap this thing up for me. I believe that this is the saddest verse in all the Bible. And this is what happens after God delivers um, the Israelites out of Egypt with power, with wonders, with miracles, with crazy things. I mean, how many of you have ever prayed things like, God, just show me a miracle and I'll believe? Right, God, part the Hudson River right now because I'm in traffic for an hour, then I'll believe. Right, but they literally saw the Red Sea part. They saw miracles. They saw all these things. And then the following generation, Joshua's generation, they saw even crazier things because they crossed the Jordan. They didn't wait for God to part the water, but as they acted in faith, the water parted. But yet the generation that followed them, this is what the verse is about. Judges chapter 2, verse 10. After that whole generation, Joshua's generation, the promised land generation, those who entered into the land flowing with milk and honey, it says this, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Friends, may that never be said of our generation. I believe we're living in a time where honestly, it can go either way, but I believe there's a destiny for us in this moment in time that we have been positioned in 2020 for such a crazy time like this to press in to know God because only those who have gone back with God can lead forward. And he's calling us to that place. My heart stirs for this because I, have, I know what God can do when revival comes. Right? I'm just gonna read a couple of things that I read about revival. It says this, like in the 1700s and the 1800s, it says this, in two years, there were one million converts. Right? They go from uh, 2,000 to 4,000 to 30,000 people showing up to pray. I mean, we think that that uh, is impossible, but we have more people today, so like mathematically it should be easier, right? I'm not even going to go down that train of thought. But Josh just looked at me and said, Pastor Sam, just stop right now. I was like, I'm going to stop right now, okay? But think about even that set. In two years, there were one million converts. You know what? That reminds me of what Jesus said to us, that the harvest is plentiful. But what's few? The workers. My heart for tonight is that God will mark you to be a worker, a laborer, not through, you know, uh, performance, but through prayer. Because I believe laboring for the harvest begins in the prayer. But so many times laborers are fighting over the harvest as if it's in lack. But God says that's what's plentiful. We just have to open our eyes. We just have to pray. Why is the harvest within reach? Because I believe every single person is only one encounter away from conversion. I think that's why God says that it's so plentiful. People that we think hate God want nothing to do with God. I mean, think about even what Ali shared, that he's been going to these protests, these marches, and people are getting saved left and right because the harvest is in fact plentiful. People are more broken than ever before. They're more lost than ever before. There's more opinions than ever before. You know when opinion rises, you know what rises even more truth. You know when hopelessness abounds, you know what people are looking for? Hope. And guess what God has called us to? To be people of hope. 
And where does hope come from? Not by patting ourselves from the back. I love what Jim Wallace says, that this difference between optimism and hope. He's calling us to be people of hope. And I love what gives him reason for hope. I mean, he's a man that's been laboring for 50 years for social justice. And this is what he says, that he's seen too much to not have hope. He's read this book to not have hope. God is calling us back. Man, our, our hearts at Pursue, we've been so stirred for this, to just go back to learn and, and recover things that have been lost, the genuine gospel, the reality of Christ, the, the Holy Spirit, the anointing, the power, the prayer life. We need that today. Because I think one of the things that, that really started a lot of this I, thoughts and convictions snowballing was when I was hearing of these Korean American churches. Once again, I'm apologizing, but that's all I know, okay? Right? I was going to say a Biggie Smalls quote, but... <laughs> next year conference i'll use it okay where once again like i'm saying that they came to a foreign country where they didn't know anyone but they prayed i mean one of the heritages is that even a word heritages it sounded not like a real word when it came out of my mouth but one of the heritages of the korean people is early morning prayer and it broke my heart to realize when churches closed down early morning prayers closed down i mean a lot of it transitioned to zoom but i remember when i was in high school my pastor he'll he'll challenge me say sam before you go to school come and pray with me early in the morning so i'm like all right i'm hungry i'm passionate i go pray and then i'm falling asleep in health class at 10 a.m you know but i was trying but the thing that marked my heart so much is i go at 5 a.m 6 a.m and there are these elders of the church there right should i say this about elders all right, Danny gave me the nod. Too many elders today care about prominence, platform, money, title, rather than prayer, right? But I saw these elders that literally worked hard, back-breaking jobs at dry cleaners, and they would pray with everything they got. And I'm just trying to stay awake because I'm trying to survive health class, you know, in a couple of hours. And I remember seeing people pray, seeking God early in the morning, I tried to go as much as I could, but I would go maybe like once or twice a week. These men and women of God would be there every single day. You know the rock I'm talking about. You know the rocking back and forth, right? If you know it, let me know. You know it in the, in the chat right now. But they would be rocking back and forth and praying, crying out to God. Because I remember this. I, I got saved when I was 17, and my senior pastor, he passed away a couple years ago. But he would say this to me. I didn't know anything. I was 17. I'm wondering if I'm, if I'm called. You know, I shared a little bit about that in, the, in session one. But he would say to me, Sam, one day you'll make a senior, a, a great senior pastor. And as a kid, I'm like, all right, thanks. When I'm in my 30s, I'm like, please tell me what you mean by that. Please show me how you paid the price to plant this church and go for it when you don't know anyone or the language. How did you do it? How did you seek God like that? Because here's the thing about my senior pastor. I mean, you know, he was like in his 60s and 70s when I was in high school. But his voice would be raspy, right? If you're old enough to know who, who, who Macho Man Randy Savage is, that's what this man sounded like, but with a way lower volume. It was raspy. You could barely hear him. 
And the reason why his voice was like that was because he would go to the mountains, not like a retreat center, like he would literally go to the mountains where people were calling 911 because they're like, there's this crazy man screaming on the top of his lungs in the middle of a mountain. Why did he do that? Because he wanted the anointing and the power of God. When I hear stories like that, I could dismiss it, but man, that's religious. Man, he showed up to church in a suit and I'm up here, you know, in jeans and a t-shirt. But yet, as the older I get, I'm wondering to myself, why or, or, or where are these generals, where are these mothers and fathers that paid the price for revival, for, for God, for the kingdom? I want to know what it takes to seek God that way. God, forgive me for dismissing the passion of the previous generation as religion when they knew something about you that I barely scratched the surface on. Friends, I want to encourage every single one of us. It's time for us to pay the price to know God like they knew God. Because if they can know God like that, that means we can know God like that. And I believe God is calling us from the mountain once again. Will you climb up here to be face to face with me? I want to know what it looks like to know God that way, to seek God in that way. You know, one of the testimonies I shared last year at our conference was, you know, when I got saved once again, I, I'm just sharing these stories because it's stirring my heart more now that I'm older than it did up until this point. We would have prophets come. Maybe that offends you, maybe it intrigues you, but we had these prophets come that knew God, that would speak the word of the Lord and there would be fear of the Lord in the sanctuary because you knew God is in this place and they would come and they'll call out people by their names they'll call out people with with sicknesses and illnesses I mean when I was in high school Google didn't exist so I know he didn't Google it okay but I remember when I was in eighth grade and I was witnessing this for the first time I thought it was fake until he called out my family and I'm like okay this is real I mean, I say that because in that time, I saw people get out of wheelchairs. I saw the power of God. I saw the miracles of God. And, and, and there's something stirring in my heart, especially as 2019 was en ending and a new year was beginning and a new decade was upon us, where I was wondering, where are those who know God in that way, that could hear his voice in that way? So one of the things, I'll be honest, I was hungering for prophets, mothers and fathers who had a deep, deep history with God, a history that costed them something, that they, they paid the price to not only get close, but to stay close. And as I started wondering about these prophets, I started talking to my former youth pastor, my spiritual father, and he told me about the prophets that he knew. And one of my favorite stories of all time is that he went to this Bible college where they prophesied over the seniors. So they would get like three prophets uh, that, they were, that they knew. They would call them in and they would pray and prophesy over every single student. So it was my pastor's turn. And my pastor, he's a small Korean man. So he goes up and, there, and there's three prophets up there. One of them is this white guy, whiter than white, white guy, right? But as soon as he opens his mouth on the mic, he starts praying over him in Spanish. And I heard the cassette tape. I mean, think about this picture. My pastor, he's from South America. He's an Asian man. And there's this white guy 
praying over him in Spanish. And I hear people laughing because a white guy praying over an Asian guy in Spanish is crazy. Like, what is that? And then when they asked him, you know, why did you do that? The, the prophet said, because God told me he knew Spanish. I never met him before, but God told me he would understand when I spoke in Spanish. But how did this white guy know Spanish? Because he was a missionary in South America for years. When I was in high school, we had that same prophet come to one of our retreats. And, and I still remember sitting down and talking with him. And, and at that time, I was wrestling. Like, how do I know I'm called? Like, how do I know I'm called by God? And, and he started telling me his testimony of when God called him. Check this out. It's a wild story. He said that when God was calling him, he grew up in upstate New York, like far up there in the farmlands of New York. And while he was, you know, just working on the farmland, God was calling him to be a prophet. And he said when he heard God say that to him, he wrestled with God for a whole week in the barn, praying all night long, saying, God, don't call me. I don't want to be called. I don't want to pay the price to be used. This calling is too big. But you know what our generation has done? Even if they have a small gifting in the prophetic, they add profit to their Instagram handle. But yet this man wrestled and said, I don't want to know God in this. I don't want to pay the price to be used by God in that way. So earlier this year, my, me and my pastor, were talking more. And he started telling me more stories about this man. Because my heart was being so stirred for the things of old that need to be recovered today. And he said that this man, that he was a missionary in Chile. And Chile is like the longest country like ever. Right? It's that long thing all the way on the left of South America on the map. Right? And he would travel by train. But because he was a missionary decades ago, the only form of transportation he could afford was to ride in the train with farm animals. So he would literally be riding a train with cows and horses, traveling back and forth because that was the only thing he could afford. And he said because he grew up in the farms of New York, he didn't mind it too much except for the mosquitoes at night because that kept him up. And the only solution he could find was to rub kerosene all over his body so he could get some rest. I'll be honest, I can't do that. Right? Maybe I'm entitled, but I can't do that. But when I hear that, it moves my heart because he is willing to be inconvenienced for the gospel. I'm going to be straight up real and honest. If Pursue NYC were to invite a prophet to come speak at our conference. They won't come unless we fly them business class. I'm not saying that to call anyone out, but just to let us know how far we've drifted from the reality of knowing God. I'm not saying we gotta wear sackcloth and ashes all the time, you know, go back to dumb phones or something. Like, I'm not saying that, but there are things that God is calling us to as a generation that we must go back and recover for the sake of what's ahead. And I believe it's that call to know God, to pay the price in prayer, to pay the price to read the word, to know him, to sit at the feet of mothers and fathers without accusation. Come on, isn't it, hasn't it been too long for, of us carrying the unforgiveness in our hearts for some of us? It's time we forgive. It's not saying what they did was right or we're okay, but it's choosing to let go. I believe it's time for our generation to do that. So right now, every single person that's tuning in right now, I want you to just... 
do whatever you need to do. Turn on your camera. No, don't worry. This isn't so, so that we could see you and we're trying to see who's praying, who's not. It's just so that we could do, step into this moment prophetically together and do whatever you need to do. If you need to stand, if you need to lift up your hands, if you need to get on your knees. But I want us to just come before the Lord and ask him to stir up within us a hunger to know him in that way. We're paying a price isn't as daunting as the fact that we might live this life without knowing him more that we're more scared of not knowing god more than paying a price that what grieves our heart isn't the the discomfort that it might bring our lives but the fact that we've been complacent for too long so come on all over wherever you're watching from wherever you're tuning in from let's lift up our voices right now and let's just ask god to stir up within us a hunger to know him the hunger that marked the, the david in the wilderness to cry out to god the shepherd boy that would stand up when soldiers would be in fear that god would give us the passion of moses that would climb the mountain that no mountain was high enough that he wasn't willing to climb it to know god in that way where he would cry out god show me your glory god we want to see your face god i want to know you deeper whatever it takes god won't you stir that hunger within our hearts lord in this generation god that all of us here have signed up have paid the price have devoted our time to this conference not to just be educated but because we need an encounter because we've been too satisfied with what we've known where there's so much more for us god i'm praying on behalf of my generation lord that we won't let life pass us by that we won't be uh, disillusioned by past disappointments or hurts or bitterness whatever we might have faced may we lay it down god i pray that we won't be too comfortable with what we've known that we won't be satisfied that won't be that we won't be uh, taken astray by the dreams of this world by the things of this world god we have been blinded god by what the world is telling us is right there's so many opinions but god what we need is your voice of truth lord stir up a hunger in our generation that we will know you lord that we will know you god for ourselves and we're not satisfied with just sermons we're not satisfied with just podcasts we're not satisfied just reading a book but we got to read your book god the book of life take us to that passion of all the faith of all this ancient faith this ancient truth that has outlasted every kingdom every king every queen every emperor every empire god that every nation will tremble at your feet that mountains will crumble that oceans will roar and how dare we as people god stay unmoved god how dare we as people be callous to the things of god lord i'm asking in your mercy put a hunger in our generation god put a passion in our generation we're paying a price is nothing compared to knowing you that we will do whatever it takes god give us the passion of the early church that didn't shrink back because of what popular opinion was that didn't shrink back because of persecution that didn't shrink back when people didn't follow them give us the passion lord of the people in the bible of elisha god who wasn't afraid to speak truth will stand up to kings will call out evil will call out sin will fight for righteousness god raise up lord men and women of god We know you more. God, we know what you
you have called us to the destiny and the purpose and the plans you have for our generation, God. And Lord, we don't want to be swept up by the things that don't matter. God, may we not give our lives ultimately to things that are nothing when eternity is there. God, give us a vision of the harvest. Give us a hunger for your kingdom, Lord. God, we're needing more of your presence than ever before. God, come, we're asking right now that you would stir up hunger within us. Come on, start praying for your churches. Start praying for your pastors. Start praying for your leaders. Start praying for deacons, the elders, whoever the leaders are in your church. Come on, call them out by name. Start speaking your pastors out by name. Pray that God would start marking them with hunger, with passion, that he'll take us back to the faith that matters most. God, may we not become professional ministers, Lord. May we not become professional in how to do church. May we not be caught up with production and programs. God, we want to hunger for the presence. That it's okay if it's ugly. If you come, that it, we want something that's pretty without the presence. God, we'll go after the ugly, the broken, the messy. As long as you're there, we want that, God. Raise up leaders, Lord, who care more about the prayer closet than the platforms, Lord. Raise up leaders, God, who will seek you when no one is looking. That will read the word, not for an Instagram post, but because they're hungry for the bread of life. Raise up leaders, Lord, who will do whatever it takes, God, not to further their ministry name, not to get their name known, but so that Jesus can be made famous in our generation, God, in our day, in our land, God. Start praying for your leaders. Call them out by name. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, on the mission field. Give them a vision for the harvest. Anoint them with power. Information isn't enough. Theology isn't enough. We need the manifest presence of God. We need your power. We need your anointing. We need the Pentecost power that we see in Acts. Lord, mark our churches with the passion. Mark our churches with the fire, Lord. Come on, start praying for your friends. Pray for your friends that don't know the Lord. Pray for those that don't know Jesus. Come on, right now we're praying for salvation. The harvest is plentiful because every single person is one encounter away. God, we're praying right now for those who don't know you, our friends that might have left the church. We're praying for people that we've been circling for years and years. But Lord, we just know right now that they're one encounter away from their lives being changed forever. That they're one encounter away from a transformation, God. So we're praying for salvation. God, we're praying for salvation for our families, for our parents, God. That they would know you, Lord. Jesus, we're praying for salvation, God, right now. The people, Lord, that their eternity is at stake. That they're destinies in the balance but we're praying that you would shift the weight right now in Jesus Lord right now we begin to pray that Jesus you yourself said pray to the Lord of the harvest that you will send forth laborers God we ask of you right now in Jesus name we thank you, Lord, for every single person that is tuning into this Zoom, God. And we pray right now that within every single one of our hearts, Lord, that you are reminding and revealing to us people that do not know you. So we cry out to you, Lord of the harvest. Father, we cry out to you right now, God. And we say, Lord, send forth laborers, God. Lord, recalibrate the hearts of the churches to return back to you, Lord. Recalibrate the hearts of the churches to begin to cry out for the unsaved ones, God. Recalibrate the hearts of the churches to begin to pray for the salvation of those that do not know you. So, Lord of the harvest, we cling to you right now. We pray to you right now. And we say, God, let our friends and let our families come back to you. 
Lord, even right now, turn the hearts of stone into the hearts of flesh. That Jesus, you will be glorified. That Jesus, you will be magnified, God. So even right now, all across the Zoom chat, Lord, we pray for specific names, God. We pray for the names that are popping up into our minds, God. And we pray that Jesus, that as we begin to pray and lift up your name, that you will begin to move supernaturally on behalf of our behalf, God. And we pray that today is the day where we get to celebrate, declare, and even right now we get to celebrate ahead of time for all the salvations that are coming, Lord. So we thank you. We thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can we right now begin to pray specifically for churches? I just feel it so strongly in my spirit. Can we pray right now that churches will return back to the heart of the Father? And specifically what I feel is that the prayer need, the prayer meetings must be the most popular meetings back in the churches. That more so than the anointed preaching, more so than the anointed programs that right now what needs to interrupt and erupt in the churches are prayer meetings. So right now can we begin to lift up on our churches specifically by name and begin to pray that prayer meetings will begin to explode all across this country. Come on, let's begin to pray. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that prayer meetings all across the churches will begin to erupt, Lord. I pray right now, Lord, that even within our very hearts, the conviction to pray will erupt, Lord. That we won't be able to hold it back, God. That our hearts will begin to break for the unsaved one. That our hearts will begin to break for our churches. And the only thing we can do and the only person we get to call upon is the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that the prayer meetings will begin to interrupt again. I pray, Lord, that the prayer meetings will begin to erupt again, God. I pray right now that all across this country and all across this nation, that the generations will arise meeting you, praying to you, crawling upon the name of Jesus. So Lord, right now we lift up every single church in New Jersey and New York and all across this nation, God, that prayer meetings will begin to explode, that prayer meetings will begin to be birthed, that a prayer movement will begin to be uh, spread all across this nation. In Jesus' name. Come on, I heard a quote say this that the Sunday evening service is the biggest service if the pastor is popular. But when Jesus is popular, the prayer meetings are the meetings that are packed. So can we pray right now that we won't have to wait for a leader to do it, but that you would rise up and say, no pastor, no leader, no whatever. We need to be praying. Even if they don't support you, get on a Zoom, invite your friends, whatever you need to do. Because here's the thing, God isn't looking for numbers. He's looking for passion. He's looking for hunger more than a crowd. So can we pray right now, continuing with that theme. Maybe God is speaking to you to just even gather a couple friends because the, this is what Jesus says, that whether there are two or three gathered in his name, he's there. So God, we pray right now for prayer meetings. That doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be a crowd. It doesn't have to be big, but it just has to be with people that are hungry, that are desperate for you. God, let the prayer meeting be the most popular meeting in the church, whether it's online, we don't have to wait. Maybe you're a youth student, God. Raise up young ones. Raise up junior high students. Raise up high school students, Lord, that are so hungry that they're meeting on their own, that they're staying up late at night, not watching Netflix, but reading the Word, that you would just stir up that kind of hunger, Lord, where we're tired of doing business as usual, but we must know you more, that we must know you more. Come on, make that your prayer right now. God, we must know you more. We must know you more. We must know you more. Come on. We're going to keep praying. There's a lot of different cities 
represented in this conference. Let's pray that God will turn our cities upside down. That God will turn our cities upside down. Come on, he doesn't need a, 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 a many. He doesn't need a, a thousand. But he just needs those who are hungry. God, raise up leaders in this moment who aren't swayed by popular opinion that isn't just following social media trends, but that they're willing to go against the grain, that they're willing to swim upstream, whatever it takes, not because they're trying to be different, they're trying to be obedient, God, that they want to follow the voice of God more than the voice of man. For too long, Lord, we put opinions above your truth that take us back, Lord, where our convictions lead us, God, that we're not swayed by our feelings or our mood that we're not after a vibe we're after your presence lord raise up that generation of leaders god thank you holy spirit thank you lord god won't you do it in our generation god that you would raise up leaders who will know you more who will know you greater thank you holy spirit thank you lord Yeah, keep continuing to pray. Let's just keep pressing into the heart of God at this very moment. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for what you're revealing. We thank you for what you're pressing onto our hearts. God, we just want to pray the things that you're pressing in. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. At this time, can we just pray um, just a prayer of just repentance? Um, man, we're, you know, just as Pastor Sam preached that, you know, you know, we need to rediscover the things of old and just go back to the principles, the things that, you know, God has used prayer and, and find things in prayer. But I just feel like what's pressing on this moment is just God inviting us into just repentance over our region. And there's just three things that, you know, our team that we pray about just regarding our, uh, on behalf and repenting on behalf of our region is, is comfort, is compromise, and it's complacency. And I just feel like before the Lord wants to release a new level of hunger, before the Lord wants to release a new level of passion, before he wants to lead us to a new place of prayer. I just feel like he wants us to just lay down those idols and just come behalf of the region and just repent together. And so let's just lift up those three things, comfort, compromise, and complacency. And let's just come before him and just repent. Not that, you know, um, you know, repentance is just turning towards back and laying those things on, turning back towards the heart. And, and so let's just pray for those three things right now over our region. So God, we lay down and we repent of compromise, God. And Lord, we say that for too long, instead of living in the ways of Jesus, that we follow the ways of the world, Lord. And so we repent of compromise, God, and we invite your conviction to settle into our lives. We invite your conviction to settle into our region, Lord, that we would be willing to pay the price if that means to become more like you, God. Lord, that we're not scared to make the sacrifices to look more like you now. Lord, we also just pray for um, complacency, God. Lord, we, we've been so complacent for far too long and that we've settled on this idea of the Christian life and what the church is supposed to be like. But Lord, I pray that as we repent from complacency, Lord, we invite the value of sacrifice into our region, God. Lord, that we will give up our most valuable commodity, our time and our money, and we would invest it to things that would be eternal, God which is prayer, God, that we want to invest into the things of the kingdom, God, which is eternal. So, God, we repent of complacency. And lastly, God, we just want to pray for 
and just comfort God. Lord, we, we, we repent on behalf of the region for just comfort God. Lord, that we've settled for, for far too long. And God, we just invite your presence to come and just to shake things up in our lives, God. Lord, that you would shake things up that need to be shaken so that what remains is what matters, Lord. And so, God, we just thank you, Lord, that you are a loving Father, God, and that, and that your idea, you're refining in this moment, you're pruning in this moment, and so that we as the church, as a region, would bear more fruit for your kingdom, God. We thank you, Jesus. Yeah, let's just keep praying. Let's just keep praying right now. And I think the thing that God put on my heart um, just during this time was... I feel so led to pray for unity right now. You know, not just this nation, but I feel like there's just so much disunity all over. And I can't really say that the church is doing such a great, um, showing a, such a great example of unity um, in this nation to the world. And so along with the theme of repentance, I just want to ask God to give us spiritual eyes right now to see um, the spiritual condition of the world right now. Because once we see that, then I think we'll, we'll go back to seeing that we need unity because we need to work together because there is a common enemy. And the, the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against our brothers and sisters. It's not reformed versus charismatics. It's not by denomination. The war is not against flesh and blood. So right now, I just want you guys to just lift your voice right now. And let's just pray. Let's just pray for the spirit of unity to just fall upon this region. Let us start here. Let us start in New Jersey. Let us start in New York City, in this tri-state area. And I believe that once it starts here, it's going to be exported to the entire world. If people can see that the people of New York City can be united, how can they be divided? If people can see that the churches love each other, that we see each other as brothers and sisters and not enemies, just because of differences in language, just because of differences of small things. If we all serve Jesus Christ, why can't we see that we're all his hands and feet, that his, we're his body, that he's the head and we're the body. So let's just pray. Jesus, I just pray. The spiritual eyes right now, and give us a spirit of unity, Lord Father God. I just want to repent right now for any dishonor, Lord Father God, that I've put on any camp, Lord Father God, saying they're too radical, or saying they're too rigid, or they're too structured, or they're too much about knowledge, or they're too wild, Lord Father God. I just want to repent right now, Lord Father God. I just ask for unity, Lord God, spirit of unity to come, Lord Father. Jesus, there's a battle, Lord God, that's going on. That's going on, and it's not against flesh and blood. Lord God, help us to see that, Lord Father God. Unify us, Lord Father God, that the world will see and know Jesus Christ by the way that we love each other, by the way that we love our friend, by the way we lay our lives down for another. God, teach us to love you, Lord God, with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. God, teach us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Jesus, take us, take us deeper into unity, Lord Father. God, unify us. God, we're in a time where we need unity more than ever. 
God, if we could just open our eyes and see just the spiritual climate of this nation, that people may be coming together for protests or, or whatever political parties, but we're so divided that there's so much chaos going on in the spiritual realm and we don't even see it because we're too busy you know, looking to our comforts, looking for the next vacation, looking for the next promotion. We're too comfortable. And God, give us spiritual eyes to see, Lord God. We need to be unified now as a church more than ever, Lord Father God. Teach us, Lord Father God, that when we hear the word church, we don't just think of where we're at in our local church and just there, those walls, that building. But Lord God, help us to think of the global church. God, take us back, Lord Father God. Thank you, Lord. God, may we be a generation where we're more committed to love our brother for who he is and disagree with what he thinks or believes. May our love for him be greater than our disagreement, God. We thank you, Lord. One of the things I just want to lead us to pray for right now is that our generation will be marked by the power of God, not the wow of God, not the production of God, not the lights of God, because oftentimes we think it's a mood that we're feeling a mood rather than his presence that we've mistaken the presence for dim lights and smoke machines. But I'm praying that we would know the power of God for ourselves. Leonard Ravenhill says this, that the world is not looking for a new definition of Christianity, but a brand new demonstration. And it's a demonstration not of words, but of power. May God mark our generation with power because here's the thing, oftentimes we think it's character versus power, but we need both. It's two sides of the same coin. May God raise up leaders in our generation that have been formed and tried and refined in the place of prayer with both character and the power of God. That we are living above reproach, but we live a life that points to something greater, something that's transcendent. And the way we advance the kingdom of God is through how we live. It is through integrity, but it's also by demonstration. I read, I read this quote. I want to read it to you. It says, the world of mankind has not advanced by evolution, but revolution. What we need is a revolution of our prayer lives because that's where the power comes. The anointing comes not just when someone lays hands on you, but it's when you seek God in the place of prayer when no one else is watching. That's where you're marked. It's not when you get called out at Pursuit Conference, but it's when you're in your prayer closet seeking God. You know, I've been called out by prophets. I've been called out by men and women of God, but you know what? They didn't mark me. They already testified to what God did when no one else was looking. We we need people who are marked by power. So come on, let's pray right now that God will mark you with power. Lord, let the testimonies of the book of Acts not be information we know. Let us not be impressed, but let that be an invitation, Lord, for our generation that we would see that within our own eyes. God, may we see the lepers healed. May we see people get out of wheelchairs, not for a cool testimony, because it signifies the kingdom has come. Jesus teaches how to bring forth the kingdom the way you did, that you preached to the poor, that you were with the broken, but you also opened blind eyes, that you healed the sick, that you raised the dead, that you comforted the hurting, but you also placed hands and people were changed. God, mark a generation with the power of God. And we're not, we're not satisfied, Lord, with just information and knowledge. The Bible says, Lord, knowledge puffs up, 
but it's love that builds, that compassion and love move us forward, God, that we're not afraid to be rejected by man, but we would have a love that's bold, a faith that's bold. God, we need the power of God in our day. We need the power of God in our day, God, that we would, Lord, cast out demons, that we would see the kingdom advance, that we'll see families set free, that we'll see depression lift off, that we'll see broken marriages restored only by the power of God, by the blood of Christ, through the cross, Lord. Mark us with your power, Jesus. Mark us with your power. Raise up leaders of power, of character, of integrity, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want us to pray for one more thing, and I'll, if one of our leaders has something, they could do it with power, with character. The word that was just blazing in my heart right now was holiness. That God would raise up a generation that's holy before the Lord. That he would raise up a generation that's holy before the Lord. That in the book of Daniel, it talks about his three friends. I'm going to probably butcher his name. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? And Daniel, that they were given the choice food. The premier food. The insta-worthy food straight from the palace. But the world, what the world called royalty, they called sin. Because they were living a life set apart before the Lord that when everyone else was bowing down before idols, that they would rather burn in fire than compromise their faith. And because of that, you know what happened? They outlasted kings and kingdoms because they were holy before the Lord. Can we pray together right now that he would mark us with holiness, that he would mark us with holiness, that we will say no to sin, not because we're legalistic, but because we're so in love with Jesus. That we are not willing to compromise our intimacy with the Lord. Let us come back to holiness in the place of prayer. I'm going to say this right now, that we're not praying to get holy, but holiness invites us to prayer. Because we have to stay close to Jesus. I'm, I'm going to just say this story real quick. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 22 to first 23. And it talks about this young king. He's practically a boy, King Josiah. But he's able to recover, excavate things that have been lost because he was looking to fathers and mothers in his time. And through that, they found the book of the law that had been forgotten for generations. So the first thing they did was recover. When they recovered, they opened it up. They read the book of the law and they realized how far they had strayed from what God had asked of them. So recover, then repent because they realized we have gone the wrong direction. Let us go back to the Lord. And as they repented, what happened next was renewal. It wasn't like a spiritual renewal. It wasn't like a revival event. But what they renewed was covenant. And covenant is this. I make myself holy because I'm yours only. They renewed their covenant before the Lord. 
I believe right now our prayer for holiness is a renewal of that covenant that I refuse to lie in bed with the world, with Jezebel, with compromise, because I belong to Jesus and Jesus alone. So can we pray together? I know we've been going long, but you signed up for a prayer conference. So we want to keep on praying a little bit longer. And let's pray that God would raise up a generation that's holy and that he would start with you. So every single room, uh, uh, every single bedroom, living, wherever you're watching, put your hand on your heart and just consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart for covenant and just say, God, raise up a holy generation and start with me. If you need to get on your knees, it doesn't matter. If you need to stand, whatever you need to do, let's return. Turn to the Lord, renew our covenant, and ask Him to set us apart so that He can use us for what's to come, so that He would set us apart, that we would know Him more. Come on, let's pray. Father God, I'm praying right now that you would raise up a generation that's holy, a generation set apart, a generation of covenant God that will come to know you. It's not a you have called us, that you have saved us, that you've forgiven us, that you've freed us, God, that we don't have to be ashamed, that we can come to you new before you, Father God. Thank you, Holy Spirit.
I believe one of the things that God wanted to show us through this online conference is that wherever you're tuning from right now, whether it's your car, whether it's your bedroom, your living room, that you don't have to go to a building, a retreat center, an event, but wherever you are could be the meeting place with the Lord. That wherever you are can be the place the glory of God lands in. And I just want to encourage every single one of you. I want to bless you that what you received and learned from this conference, that you would keep building upon it right where you're watching it from. That your bedroom will become a sanctuary. That your living room will become an altar. That anywhere you are, it would be the meeting place with the Lord. Moses didn't have to go to a, a, a beautiful building, but simply in the middle of the wilderness, in front of a burning bush where God says, take off your sandals for this is holy ground. May where you be right now, be holy ground set apart to know the Lord. We're just so encouraged by all of your faith tuning in. I see all of you staying with us all night long for a prayer conference right in your homes. We're so encouraged by your faith. And I want to read this verse as we wrap up here. It's Habakkuk verse 3, verse 2. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. And it says this, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God, I pray that that would be the cry of this generation's heart. That we've heard of your fame, we've heard, we've read, we've seen. Do them again in our day. God, may our generation be a generation set apart for revival. Thank you, Lord. I just wanna declare that over every single one of you that you have been set apart for this moment in time for revival. I just want to read this, that revivals birth people that God used mightily. So check this out. In one generation, the same generation, they were all contemporaries. God raised up D.L. Moody, Hudson Taylor, William and Catherine Booth. They were all part of the same generation. In one generation, God did that. I believe he's going to even do greater with ours. Amen. So with that, I just want to bless you that you would be one that would pay the price to know God. Grace is the deposit in your life that enables you to pay that price. We love you. We thank you. Uh, we're going to have some of the announcements going on uh, even as we wrap up here. But once again, we thank every single one of you for being a part of this conference, PursuitCon Redux. Uh, we'll announce the winner of John, John Tyson's book maybe tomorrow, so you'll keep following, uh, even after the event is over. Uh, but we love you. It was a joy and honor to uh, seek and pray after the Lord together from different cities, different nations. Uh, once again, if you would like to give, you can give to Pursuit. Uh, we made this conference free to simply serve people during this pandemic. But if you feel led, uh, to give any amount, it doesn't matter. But if you feel it on your heart, you're more than welcome to give. Um, also, we have an amazing apparel project going on right now. 
The link is all in our social media if you want to see it. But it's to support uh, three nonprofits. 100% of the proceeds go to them. Uh, you can support that. That link will be up for about a week, but we're limited to 100 designs per shirt. Uh, we have a uh, four-week e-course coming in about two weeks or so, and we're simply wanting to equip and activate you in the supernatural uh, so that you will live a life that mirrors Jesus on the earth today. In 1 John, it says this, that what Christ is, you are to the world. And um, any other announcements I'm forgetting? Pursuit Conference 2021. We hope to see you there. Um, we don't know who's speaking except four people, which is our team. Uh, we don't know who's going to lead worship except maybe these beautiful people behind me. Hopefully they'll say yes. Uh, but we thank you so much. Follow us. We'll have uh, a lot more events planned coming up just to serve people during this time. Uh, we probably won't have a monthly gathering in person for a while. So we'll see you online. We love you. God bless you. You stir our hunger for more. God bless you.